I want to wish all of you a good morning and an amazing morning. And I hope this is the best Saturday morning of your life. Um, and I want to welcome you all to the Freedom Coffee live stream where we celebrate the freedoms that we have and we work on ideas and suggestions and educating each other as you're educating me just as much when you send me comments about things I didn't know. Uh, we work on expanding those uh, those futures, uh, those freedoms in the future. And how do we do that? We do that with a cup of coffee, right? Because all good ideas start from a cup of coffee. And you also can't change the world for the better and make it a better and more peaceful place if you're in a state of anxiety. So this is where we all come together. And let's focus on all the positive energy that we've built together. And thank you all for uh, for being here. I'm trying to be a little bit more consistent uh, now that things are disrupting in the <laughs> trucking industry, <laughs> I'm gonna write. I'm gonna talk about that tomorrow. But um, yeah, things. Uh, uh, I was talking to some fund managers uh, yesterday and letting them know kind of what's going on <clears throat> in the trucking industry because uh, certain segments of transport can be a leading indicator in terms of what's going on in the economy. And I gotta tell you, not good, not good. Now, hopefully it's not gonna, it won't be sustained and we'll see a quick rebound. Uh, there sometimes is a little bit of uh, reduced flow during this time of year, but never like this. This is, uh, this is significantly worse, but that's better because that means now we're gonna have more time to do streams and I can get uh, back to where I wanted to be for the past little while. Jesse says, it'll be the best Saturday of my life if you tell me Trudeau has resigned, well, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And <clears throat> the problems, oh, yeah, there's a t the typo's making you nuts. I'll fix it after. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I'm just trying, you know, I was scrambling to get everything done for this morning. And, um, you know, but I, I don't know. Weather propaganda also might work for a different meeting, right? <laughs> but uh, thanks for that, Ryan. Good morning. And uh, so, yeah, Trudeau, I don't think, is going to resign anytime soon. But uh, that's missing the point, Jesse. Trudeau is not the problem. It's the systemic nature of our political class and how they all operate uh, intermittently. That's the problem. And it's funny you mention that because I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, and also let's remember the fact it's, I don't know about where you are, where I am. It's a beautiful day. It's sunny. It's gorgeous out. It's the summer. Um, it can't be better. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So, and later on today, by the way, uh, Bridget is going to be interviewed on Diverge Media with Greg Staley. So I suggest everybody watch that if you can. It's going to be on at four o'clock. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how Greg uh, structures his YouTube channel, but if you watch it afterwards, you might have to click on the live tab to watch it. It may not be on his landing page, but 4 p.m. he's going live with Bridget. Uh, I have no idea what they're going to talk about, so but it should be interesting. Sounds like he'll get a lot of truth because he's been doing a lot of research for many, many, many months, so it should be interesting. Um, uh, he won't, but will still be good. All right, great, Jesse. Uh, Sonny, it's sunny there too. Awesome. The whole government needs to go. Well, this is true. Uh, it, and it's a lot of the the external systems that have latched on to the government, and they pump the government, like the government of Canada, 
as a revenue stream, and then they talk about how they're, you know, fiscally prudent. Well, no, they're, they're raping the system for profit is what they're doing, but that's uh, another uh, issue. So uh, let's talk about this thing I mentioned the last time. I didn't even know this was going on, uh, but it finally came on my radar today. It's hysterical. This is so funny. The weather propaganda. Have you heard about this? The weather propaganda that the, 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 the planet is boiling over or something to that effect? I didn't know this was happening for a couple weeks. Apparently, this has been in the um, uh, mainstream media zeitgeist for a couple of weeks. And I didn't know uh, at all this was happening because I don't pay attention uh, to fake news at this point. Like, I don't even I don't even address it. It doesn't mean I don't listen to other perspectives, but I don't listen to the, the you know, the corporate scripted drivel. So this apparently has been going on for a couple of weeks and it's really interesting the level of propaganda um, that they're using so I looked I saw uh, one of the things I think I retweeted it earlier it's from the news uh, the fake news in Denmark and they're showing you know yellow orange and red zone and red zone is uh, presumably presumably the you know most dangerous the highest temperature part of the country and so they'll have the yellow orange they only have temperatures around the quote red zone the danger zone and you know what the temperature was 17 degrees <laughs> i like it warmer in my home <laughs> 17 degrees it's so funny <laughs> oh they're so useless but um uh, you know, it's and it's really funny. They have all these red zones. It's interesting. They can't do that with the no-go zones throughout all the cities in Europe and places like uh, France where they have no-go zones. But that, that we're going to ignore, right? But the thing that I find that's interesting is from, a, from the angle of marketing and, and persuasion and influence and propaganda and all that sort of stuff, the thing I find really interesting about it is you probably notice this. Anybody who's, you know, studied any of the, um, I don't know, Erickson, Cialdini work sort of stuff will understand that, you know, the most, the people who are most easy to pro propagandize, who do you think they are? What, what part of the um, socioeconomic spectrum do you think they are? Do you think they're working class? Do you think they're middle class professionals? Do you think they're upper class uh, academics, like, what do you think? Because I can tell you what it is, and it's surprising. It's the educated class. The more educated you are, the more susceptible you are to propaganda. And anybody who studies marketing for a long period of time, just kind of as a hobby and human behavior, knows that. And the reason is because all they need to perceive is, rece is receiving a rational argument that's backed up by facts. They're never going to go to the source material to verify it. They just need to be told uh, according to studies. I remember somebody telling me this when I first got into politics. They said, you know, during a debate, um, when and you'll see this a lot from your politicians, by the way. And you see it across the spectrum. They said to me, I can't remember the point we were talking about, but there was some sort of point and I said, well, how am I gonna, how, what's the best way to respond to that? And he said, well, just make your point. Uh, okay. And he said, and add the phrase, according to studies. I'm like, but I'm not sourcing any studies. He says, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just say according to studies. Like, and he said, and then 
if the media calls you on that, you say, you know what, I'll get back to you on that. Send me an email or send my staff an email and we'll get back to you with the study and the information. Um, it's completely fabricated. That is, I mean, in my case, the, I was trying to make a point, it's trying to make an, a, an opinion and they, they're trying to sell it as though it was a fact. And if you noticed, isn't that exactly what Dr. Fauci did? And RFK said he actually followed up. And the reason, you know, my consultant said, just say, we'll get back to you with it, send us a request, because they never, ever do. Well, in the case of Fauci and RFK, he's one of the few people who actually did. And after, what, it was a year, he had to sue them. And after suing them, they had to admit they didn't have the data source material that they're saying that they were going to use, right? So that's how politicians are trained around media. They use those phrases. According to studies, and then if you call them on that, then you say, what, get back to me, I'll reach out to my staff and I'll get the information, and they're hoping you're going to go away. And if you try to follow up and send them requests and whatever, you'll be ignored for as long as possible, right? Uh, Jesse says, so I have a question for truckers. How are you going to manage the 15-minute cities in Toronto? Um, I'm going to talk about 15-minute cities maybe in another episode. I think because it, it's quite complex. But, yeah, that's pretty uh, – it's going to be – it's frustrating for me because my truck is on the other I, – I can't live in the city if, in Toronto if that that's, remains to be the case. I'll just have to leave. And at this point, you know, I was um, – I went to uh, to visit some people last night and I was driving back home through the city – and it's funny, we all talk about our home, where we grew up, in what area of whichever city. But we always ignore the fourth dimension, which is time. And the place that we grew up, for you choose the city, you know, area, whatever it is. We, I think it's better to also say, to add on to it, the time period. So, you know, I grew up in Midtown, uh, Toronto, kind of, uh, for those of you who don't know Toronto, like main intersections uh, along Young Street, basically, and uh, in an area called York Mills. And I would just say, yeah, I grew up in York Mills in the 80s and 90s. I think that is an important identifier because I, where I was driving through last night uh, were places I used to hang out as a teenager and all that sort of stuff. Everything's gone. Like everything that I grew up around, that city no longer exists. It exists only in time. It's all you know, high-rise condos and newer businesses on the ground floor. So I don't even recognize it. It's not, um, it's no longer where I grew up, right? Poll studies, no difference. Four or five dentists, nine, ten doctors prefer camels. <laughs> Will, <laughs> what's up, brother? Hey, Will, I got to talk to you. Can you let me know in the, um, the Discord, are you also seeing a massive slowdown in truckers, in trucking right now? You know, when I was on the road last week, I'm down to, uh, things are really slowing down now. Uh, I noticed uh, most of the truck stops were half empty, which is, as you know, unheard of. They're always packed. Was that just my anecdotal experience, or are you saying the same thing? Mm. I grew up between the Cold War and 9-11. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the period of peace and prosperity may never be rep uh, repeated for a long time. I don't know. I'm positive. I think we're going to get there, and uh, but we'll we'll get on to that more. So, anyways, the it's the educated class that are the most easily propagandized because they just have to perceive that there's a proper argument and that there's a 
source that's being used, a verified source, and then people, even if it's a fallacious argument, because it's based on non-data, educated people will accept it, especially if it's delivered in a very calm demeanor by somebody who is credible, who's speaking the same language and uses the same sort of diction as they do, then they will, um, then they'll believe it sort of thing. Uh, and I think also this is why, probably not intentionally, maybe subconsciously, you know, market forces, I think this might be why the political class have, has focused away from working class, blue-collar people, because remember, NDP used to be all be about unions and blue-collar and whatever, and I guess the Liberal Party was to a degree. And they've shifted away from them, and they moved exclusively to the middle and upper-middle class and educated class, and I think it's because they're more easily propagandized. And uh, I think that's one of those, you know, effects. But anyways, uh, everything's gone, i.e. our morals, common sense, humanity. I don't know. Jesse, listen, you have a good moral compass. I have a yeah, pretty good moral compass. <laughs> We're all, we all try to be good to each other and loving towards one another. We just have to teach people to this the same thing. Uh, yeah, Sonia, good question. Jesse, is Rocky listening? I put Rocky's video as the intro for Rumble, so I hope he's listening. Uh, but anyways, uh, let me check the multi-stream. All right. Next, oh, I should also, apparently there is a way. Let me just see. Okay, that's, uh, all right. Maybe it's not working now. I don't know. Okay. Um Something interesting that's come about politically is Trump. <laughs> the guy who takes all the oxygen out of the media. You talk about somebody who's brilliant at, uh, at media. Uh, Trump has uh, declared that under his administration, he will apply the death penalty to people involved in human trafficking. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think of that? Um, and you know what originally, you know, initially came to my uh, came to my head was, uh oh, some Canadian politicians are at risk of the death penalty in the United States if they get uh, prosecuted there. <laughs> like, uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> oh, what you didn't know? You didn't know there's Canadian politicians involved in human trafficking. What do you think all this migration stuff is? What do you think they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart? They're involved in human trafficking. Everybody knows. Everybody in uh, in the caucuses, they all know. They, they may not tell you. I don't know how many people in the media know. Um, but uh, anyways, it's, um, it is what it is. Uh, I, I thought that was, um, I mean, I, I just, it's so boggling. It's so mind-boggling. And you can see why the political class hates him so much. Because he's an end to their grift. I mean, that, that's, that's, um, that's a clear and present danger to their business model, right? If you're a Canadian politician involved in human trafficking and you hear the potential next president of the United States saying the, the death penalty, you're going to get a little bit scared, Right. And you know, you know why they're involved in it? Do you know why? Money! <laughs> There's so much money in human trafficking. It's really kind of, 
it's really kind of sad and it's really funny like you, you these are things that normally you can't talk to especially canadians canadians in general uh really just don't get that's how the world works uh it's sometimes it's really quite frustrating that we're always so nice and kind and positive but with that comes a level of being naive uh, of how the world really works right a uh, morning bridget uh, Bridget, by the way, 4 p.m. will be on with uh, with Greg from Diverge Media. So, yeah, the um, <laughs> Canadian politicians involved in human trafficking. Like, I love all the distraction with all the other stuff. Like, Hunter is a distraction that we use on our side. But everybody knows the Canadian politicians who are involved in human trafficking. They all know. I, I mean, it's just the way it is. I I'll tell you a little story. This is for the Canadians, okay? Because uh, I've had a pretty, how should we say, I, I've had, I have a lot of interesting stories. One second. Uh, Beth says, um, go Trump, money is why they're involved in human, human trafficking, no surprise. Yeah, of course. I mean, the first rule of politics is why I, I can't stand most politicians, not all, but most. As soon as you walk into in a room or an event or whatever, there's a politician there. The smartest person in the room is the the person with the most amount of money or perceived to have the most amount of money they could be um paulo escobar themselves but the politicians will all grab gravitate towards that person it's really kind of gross how they are but so many men many years several years ago uh this is my story about you know not being naive or how the world really works is a better way to describe it um Okay, how, does, how to describe it? I, I, I got to change some of the names and stuff. So I'm not going to say which country, but let, because I've been all over uh, to many places in Latin America, but just say a country in Latin America. I was taken out one night by somebody who works for the government. You know, when you're down in Latin America, you, being kind of entrepreneurial minded, and Peterson and I were talking about that in a phone call one time. But uh, I'm being entrepreneurial minded, you're always looking for different opportunities and maybe businesses to get involved with and not. And you got to be really careful in a foreign country, especially Latin America, because you never know what certain people are connected to. Right. But I made some contacts with some friends who knew friends who knew friends, a guy who's very, very successful in business and all that sort of stuff. And for whatever reason, uh, I don't know, I just have a good group of friends who want to hang out and do stuff. And they, th through one thing or another, they connected me to some people and connected me to somebody in the government. We're trying to bro basically broker a deal between um, tech from the Far East into Latin America, right? Because there was a, a need in the market at that time. This is in 2007, right? Uh, before just 2006, 2007, before the uh, the GFC, global financial crisis. So uh, this contact that we were connected to in the government, he was he's very very senior in the government. He was getting the five percent bribe, because that's how business works there and everywhere in the world, by the way. So this person who was a senior government official, they're going to get five percent of everything of every everybody he would introduce us to, sort of thing, right? Okay. So he takes me out one night. And he, a lot of business is done this way. Business is done, you know, over drinks, on the golf course, whatever. Like, they're done, business is done in social affairs. I get that, fine. So he takes me to some place, we'll call it El Edificio, okay? Edificio is the name of the place. And 
Uh, I didn't know this area of the city. Uh, it was a city that I had not been to uh, before, but so I, I definitely didn't know this area of it. <clears throat> and he takes me into this place, uh, Edificio, which was, I thought, would be a restaurant or a bar. And we walk in, and, uh, well, it's a little bit more, how should we say, it's, uh, it's a strip club. And that's just the nature of how things are there. Not really my cup of tea, but whatever. It's, I, was, I was there for other reasons. So we walk in, and, you know, he introduces me to a bunch of people, and we're all shaking hands and, ta- and talking and, you know, my broken Spanish, which was a little bit better back then than it is right now. And usually in those scenarios, I just kind of grab a drink and sit at the table, or in this case, we were at like an upright bar area because lots of people talking to us. There's a lot of traffic flow in and out sort of thing, especially when there's a gringo around. There's always people who want to uh, to meet the gringo, so at least at that point it was before um, uh, things were more open. So he, uh, I'm sitting back and having a drink, and I usually just sit back and I do a lot of observing just uh, who's there body language people there all that sort of stuff and try to get a lay of the land is this place safe should I be leaving should I be staying all that sort of stuff and something occurred to me very quickly when I started looking at the different people and because I saw a couple of people in uniforms just two but, you know, you can tell pe- how people behave, where they come from in, in society. And it came, became very clear over the first five or ten minutes of being there that, oh, I'm surrounded by police, paramilitaries, military, politicians, and narcos, drug traffickers. All of them together in one place all hanging out, talking to each other, probably sharing and brokering information because sometimes, you know, your enemy is your friend sort of thing. And uh, that was, I mean, I was kind of already aware that that's kind of how the world works, that things aren't quite so binary. Things aren't so black and white sometimes. And, you know, the, it's, it's interesting to be in a scenario where you see two groups of society who on the street are enemies at war with each other. But when you go into a social affair, they'll be there and they will intermingle. And that's where they will broker information, which some there's complexity to life and some things. Right. Especially as the politician who's supposed to be the broker between. Uh, the politician is supposed to be the one who's going to keep everything together and make sure the the society doesn't collapse. They ain't doing such a good job right now, but that's in general what they're supposed to be. Can you imagine Justin Trudeau, an airhead like that, in that sort of scenario? Like, really? But my point of all of this is this is how the world really works, and it's no different in Canada. Like, you don't think when you go... Uh, I mean, clubs aren't as popular as, as much anymore, but when you go to, I don't know, you choose your, your city, your downtown area, whatever, you don't think there's a gang culture there, organized crime culture there that are owning businesses and operating. Like, that's just how the world works. And uh, our politics, unfortunately, is it's not much different from it. But my point in this is that's why I knew those, can I say a bad word? Do I have permission to say a bad word? That's why I knew those rat fuck pieces of shit in Ottawa 
were there politically doing something. I, you know, I knew, you know, I knew the advice we were getting and the people that were trying to latch on and rip it apart. Like I could tell within the first 30 seconds of meeting them that, okay, these people are no, these people are bad news. Right. And I tried repeatedly. I brought this up with Tamara repeatedly said, we need to get rid of these people. Um, and you know, a few other things that I suggested, uh, just cause the, ex- the experience that I have in my, and I was pretty good at sizing people up before I even, uh, went to Latin America and I could see right away, you know, it's, um, yeah, and it, it was, it was frustrating because, you know, I don't know, it's frustrating to be in that scenario and you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people, um, many of them just don't have the political experience for me to explain why that person is not good news and should be nowhere near us and we need to get rid of them and explain the intricacy. You don't have experience in how the world works this way. You can't even engage in the conversation sort of thing. It's, you know. Um, and then the other point was some of the people amongst us were helping them to sabotage. So I, you know, what am I going to do? You know how many, you know, I, I spoke to Bridget today. We we're talking, yeah, today or yesterday, we we're talking about, you know, messaging and responding and stuff. And, you know, one of the tricks I, I learned many, many years, years ago was, you know, when you get an email that you want to just tear somebody a new a-hole in your response, type out the email, get it out, and then give yourself a couple of minutes or to think about before you press send. And then don't press send, press delete. You know how many of those emails I was going to send, I typed out to Keith Wilson? <laughs> you rat fuck piece of shit. I know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I deleted every time. And you know what he received on his end instead? He would receive, all right, Keith, let me know. That's it. Because there's no point. The people around me wouldn't get it and couldn't understand, right? And then the other thing is, you know, the thumbnail I put on this video it was a post from, uh, what's his name? Big, uh, Big Red, uh, Chris. A post he put of a picture of him, Tamara, and Keith Wilson, uh, quote, the team. I have a question. Can I raise my hand? Keith Wilson's not her lawyer. Lawrence Greenspawn's her lawyer. The fuck is Keith Wilson doing there? Oh, yes, I forgot. He's a political whore, like I was saying all through the convoy. And since, that's right. That's, I get it. Like, why would they put his picture up there? He's not their lawyer. He's not their counsel. How is that the team? What the hell's he doing there? Was he the one that was standing beside uh, Dave Rubin in the interview? What the fuck was he doing there? He's not her lawyer. What is going on? Because it's politically controlled. There is your evidence. It's all just political. And that's why they're all alone now at this point. Because so many people have now waken up to the fact that, hey, hey, that guy Dichter was, was actually telling us everything from day one. You know? And I appreciate all of you who've been reaching out to me and saying kind words. Thank you very much. And for those of you who apologize for words they said in the past, no apology necessary. It's not your fault. Uh, You were lied to and they devolve every argument into a he said, she said. That's the tactic that they use. 
that anytime somebody says something, so Chris Barber will call people names, like a five-year-old, because he apparently was educated watching SpongeBob, SpongeBob and The Simpsons. Okay, fine. So let's, I, I get whatever. I got nothing. He's in a he's being used, and he's backed himself in a corner. I get it. He's afraid. Okay, fine. That's fine. But uh, on the other side. Um, every time Wilson speaks, he's saying things that are just verifiably a false. But the idea, the strategy is just to show, to confuse the recipient to think that there's two sides of the story, but there's not two sides of the story. There's what actually happened and a fabrication designed just to confuse people, right? At least that's what it appears to me, right? That's how, uh, that's how I see it. That's my opinion. So, um, yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> anyways, apparently I'm, uh, okay, we got a bunch of, co- a bunch of comments here, cuss Ben, okay, well, thank you, I got permission to say, I, I, I'm trying to behave, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna behave nicer, but you know, when there are things you're passionately involved in, I think people need to understand and see the passion, um, so that's just, you know, my, uh, personal opinion. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, uh, apparently, I want to be a trucker. Uh, uh, Bridget says, apparently, I'm a wannabe trucker. And uh, apparently, I'm a fake trucker, too. You know, my, I have a, a fake trucker with a lot of fake bills. With a lot of fake kilometers. Fake ELD. Fake everything. You know. Anyways, it is what it is. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about today, which I thought would be interesting is VIP people, dealing with VIP people. Just because I've had a bunch of um, calls with people uh, this week that are kind of relevant to it, and it popped up into my head. And a lot of people have not directly asked, but they've asked certain things in this realm. And that is... um, And I'm talking about people who have very public profiles, that people know who they are. Like one of the problems I had... Uh, during during the convo, God, that uh, Hurt Locker Tom kept sending me messages. Oh, can you introduce me to, to uh, Jordan Peterson? I've been a fan of him my whole life. Like, we know he's a compulsive liar. But, like, your whole life? What are you talking about? You're, like, 40-something years old. Now, what do you mean you've been a fan of his your whole life? <laughs> your whole life started in 2016? Like, <laughs> what a compulsive liar. Um, anyways... The uh, so I had so many people asking me that, and I know some other people that are really high profile like that. And I try never to tell people because if you ever do meet any of these people, and you will, as the world is changing, as people become more accessible through social media, especially if you end up going to events, Bitcoin is very much like that. I hope many of you are discovering Bitcoin, and you'll find that that you'll have access to people who are who are really well known around the world because the Bitcoin people are very very approachable. But there's certain uh, guidelines. I think that's important with dealing with VIP people so you don't embarrass yourself. Uh, you, and, you know, you maintain that relationship. And sometimes it's beneficial. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes, you know, people are – I try to just have everybody's just friends. But people inevitably, at least, at least in my world, people inevitably try to eventually one day do business together just as – you know, they like each other. They want to spend time with each other. They're working together. Hey, we have a good idea together. Let's do something, right? Um, Jesse says, as a supporter, I love watching them apologize. You are owed an apology, and they should 
let them. Yeah, well, I thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. Um, but I don't listen. I, I understand for some people it's really difficult and they feel embarrassed by um, by suffering narrative poisoning that they were sold bullshit from the very beginning. And they bought into it, and I get it. That's uh, I understand that that's embarrassing, right? We've probably we've been all through that on some level at some point, right? So I, I have some tips for dealing with or when you meet uh, high-profile people, uh, VIP people, people you have admired that you've watched online for many years, and all that sort of stuff. Um, the first thing is they don't need any more friends. Everybody who's VIP. Uh, has enough friends. <laughs> they have enough friends in their lives. Uh, they're not looking for more. Don't try to go hang out at their house. Don't you know you connect with Roseanne Barr? Don't try to ask <clears throat> Roseanne to take you over to her farm and to hang out. Right? People already have enough friends. So that's the first thing to understand. The second thing is if you end up working or doing anything with them. Um, which does happen, and sometimes it's just for a period of time. Make a commitment to yourself that you're going to do everything you can to try not to embarrass them. Sometimes uh, it's unavoidable, but most of the times it is. Uh, in my case, for example, there is so much more I know of what's going on behind the scenes right now. But yeah, I keep, you may not perceive this, but I keep my cards close to my chest because I do want to protect um, a number of people who are well known and I don't want them to end up looking foolish, right? Now, people are always, people who are kind of VIP who have public profiles, they're used to people attacking them all the time. Like, you should see the amount of volume, often from bots or from political activists or whatever that we all receive from people, just made up stories. Um, you know, this, uh, this idea that, uh, that Scott Adams puts out that there's no such thing as a story about a public figure that's been accurate. Yeah, that's, that's pretty true, that's pretty true. If you're reading something about a public figure, 99% of the time it's not true. And uh, you know, I was subjected to that during the convoy as well when people were spooling up all these fake uh, smear campaigns. And I would argue they did the same thing to Tamara as well, right? But they did it to all of us. And that's just the nature of once there's eyeballs on you, uh, the 3% of psychopaths in society or whatever it is uh, that are just going to try to exploit, troll, and whatever. And it's really online trolls that are behind all of this stuff. By the way, didn't Chris Barber describe himself as an online troll? in the POEC. Anyways. Uh, the other thing is with VIP people, never give out their contact information ever, no matter what. Everybody will ask you, oh, can you just send me his number? Can you just send me this? Like, and there are certain times if people find out you know people of a certain, you know, notoriety, it'll be constant over and over and over again. It's really, really weird how some people behave. And it's always the people you'd never expect. It's the people you thought were completely normal. Boom, just out of nowhere, like, oh, you're the crazy one. I thought you were a normal person. I guess not, right? Um, so never give out their contact information or tell people you know them if you can. Try to there are certain times that it's relevant to conversation, uh, so that's fine. But in general, try to, you know, 
keep it quiet sort of thing. The other thing is never, ever ask them for money, ever. Sometimes, like doing a business deal or something, or if they want to work on, with, on you for a project or a charity or something, that's something different. Uh, but never just go out directly. Like I know some very, very wealthy people. I've never asked, um, uh, well, business stuff is, is a different story. I've been involved in some working on trying to develop some projects, right? Uh, if it's for a specific purpose, if, if, if it's for a specific charity, um, or maybe if it's for legal stuff, right? You're in a legal bind like with some of these truckers who still are unrepresented. Uh, that's a different story. That's a, that's a unique scenario. But, you know, I want to go buy something. I want to go on a vacation. Like just be us like that. Don't ever ask them for that sort of money sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I remember with one particular person uh, many years ago, he was telling me, uh, I was in his kitchen, he's like, you know how many times people, and this person's well within the, uh, he's over nine figures, I think he's in the billions. Um, he said to me, you know how many times people call me asking for millions of dollars for, for stuff? And I'm like, no, how often? And he responded, he, he got so angry, he said, every fucking day every day they call me and ask me for my money and and he's like and i give a lot of money i give millions of dollars to charity and it's never enough no how much i give to charity it's never enough right he said and then there's the people in the family who just want want money for nothing or you know friends of friends and whatever so anyways that's my short list of dealing with vip i tell you this because i know some of you are going to be onboarding to bitcoin over time I know a lot of you are going to be onboarding uh, to Bitcoin. And a lot of these Bitcoiners are very approachable. You might meet them at conferences or get-togethers or even uh, Bitcoin meetups because uh, the Bitcoin meetups are going on all over uh, cities in North America. They're in little pubs and restaurants and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so you may run into one of these people who's very, very well known around the world. Um, there are certain ways to behave with them and to be obviously respectful and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of people, I've seen it over and over. You see it in politics all the time. Oh, God. You see it when, oh, my God, that's the minister of whatever. It's like, who gives a fuck, right? But the people in the political sphere look at, you know, celeb political people who are elected as these pseudo-celebrities. It's kind of weird, right? Um, and, but there's people, some people just can't control themselves around that. And I don't want you guys to be like that. And you're all very wonderful and sweet. I don't know. I thought it was just a very interesting thing and a way for me to get off my chest uh, to tell people, stop asking me to introduce you to people. Because <laughs> you got to make the commitment that you're not going to be uh, lazy and sloppy um, with their, their contact information because you respect them as a friend. And it's the same sort of thing, right? But anyways. Uh, what do we got? Um... Jesse says, Bridget, Belton, Tamara, right, Tamara is a real trucker, uh, I roll. Yeah, I didn't understand that when Ezra Levant, not exactly the purveyor of truth, described Tamara as a Canadian trucker. Like, why would you do that? She's, she's, she would say she's not a trucker. Uh, she knows that. What? What's? And I understand why there's been no correction ever since. Maybe that's just more business as usual. I have no idea. Mm. 
Orange Pill app hit me up for refer referring people, and your icon was center of the ad along with Nat. <laughs> All right, well, I don't know. Orange Pill app is pretty cool. I'm glad you're – Will, if you're on there, um, add me if we're not following each other. I only check it like a few times a week. I'm checking a little bit more as, as I go from city to city. And I know there's some Bitcoin meetups that are going to be going on in Toronto. I've been doing all the Boston Bitcoin meetups for the past, I don't know, year almost. So I'm going to try to come out to the Toronto Bitcoin meetups over the next, let's say, six weeks. Because then I have some stuff going on in the U.S. after that. So I'll, I'll try to uh, be around and see those things. Uh, sad to say an apology can ease your soul. And I'm sorry heals both sides. I don't know, Jesse, I feel different. For me, I had a rule with my employees in the past, in my past business. Uh, I'm sorry was banned. You are not allowed to say I'm sorry. Because especially, maybe it's just my take from within the uh, business realm. Uh, I don't want to hear I'm sorry. I want to hear uh, that's never going to happen again because, of, because I've changed A, B, C, and D. That's all I want to hear, right? And I don't need the the platitude of I'm sorry. That's just me personally, right? And I find a lot of people, it was always the the, the worst employees I had that would lean on I'm sorry and never offer up a solution to ensure they didn't do that in, the, in you know in a follow-up. And the, the I'm sorry was the equivalent of uh, just don't yell at me. I'm not going to be doing anything different. That's how I, I perceived it, you know. And it's funny, you know, during the convoy, all my years of managing different staffs of various sizes, um, I had never, I had never been uh, with such a group of. I guess the problem is because there were a group of people that were adversarial. It's like imagining having a staff at your business of which I don't know five percent of them are trying to bankrupt your company <laughs> and like intentionally going out of your way. Uh, which is exactly what we were dealing with in the Freedom Convoy. But it's good that we're now a year and a half out. Uh, you can see the momentum is changing. People are realizing they've been nothing but plugged for money and treated as a bank machine for the past year. Um, while there are still a couple of truckers who are struggling uh, to get money to pay their legal. So, you know... It is what it is, right? Again, it's funny how all the money always goes around the people who are tied to politics. Isn't that interesting? Almost like it's intentional, right? You know, if you watch Scarface. They're all chazers. John Carpe is a chazer. Pickett will fly straight. But he'll get his up and comings as well. All right, isn't Rebel another Freedom Corp stakeholder? Yes, they are. Uh, Rebel News and, uh, well, the Democracy Fund is owned. Uh, well, I'm, uh, Ezra Levant purchased the Democracy Fund. Uh, he purchased a charity, changed the name to the Democracy Fund. And what's interesting is when you go to the Democracy Fund, uh, it, show, it keeps showing, I don't understand why, maybe somebody can shed light on this. It keeps showing the, um, uh, their uh, journalist program. Wait, 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 I thought you're you know, an advocate group for people who need legal representation. The hell does that have to do with journalism? Oh, Rebel News is supposed to be journalism. So what's going on behind the scenes there? I don't know. Maybe, maybe somebody at some point will figure that out. 
and uh, shed some light on that. Anyways, okay, so I think that's it for today because I got a meeting in 15 minutes. I hope that wasn't too negative. Was that negative? I don't know. Just kind of describing how the world really works. And I think when you really understand how people, things aren't so binary in terms of, this is why when people are like, oh, you know, this politician is going to save Canada. Like, no, no, no. It's the system that works interoperably. There has to be a solution that works within the confines of that system. That's how the country's going to be fixed. If you think uh, Pierre Polyev getting elected is going to fix the country, wow, you are naive. Now, will things get better? Probably. Probably will. I hope he's not going to do what Doug Ford did, which is right-wing rhetoric, but even more left-wing policies than Kathleen Wynne. And I know there's people in that government who are frustrated, right? They're just really, you know, because, again, it's a system. It's not about one individual, right? So hopefully that won't be the case. My guess is things would get a little bit better. But if Pierre Polyev uh, gets elected, great. That's your opportunity to then step on him and to push him be, to not go over to the left. He needs to hear from everybody that the the – rhetoric the 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 hardcore rhetoric and left-wing policies will not be tolerated so i need to he needs to hear that from his base but anyways and it'll be interesting so what's uh what's true north and rebel news gonna do if pierre gets elected like do they, are they no longer have any use at that point you know they, they got their candidate elected okay time to close up shop or is it just going to become a pro pro propaganda outlets i don't know but anyways uh, Jesse, love you all. Have an amazing day. Love you too, Sonia. Peace, love, unity, peace, love, and freedom. Uh, don't forget hope. Hope is uh, a big part of that equation. And I hope you have an awesome day. I'm going to be doing more uh, streams, and I'm going to be working on night streams sometime soon. I want to fit. I want to continue the ancient history and Talmudic uh, lessons and stuff. But we will talk more about that soon. All right, I got to run.